Hey gang, it's John. Well, here we are again, unfortunately. As everyone pretty much knows by now, Smithereens frontman Pat Denizio passed away this week. He was only 62, but he had been suffering from very poor health for many years. Um, as regular listeners know, I am a gigantic Smithereens fan. They are my favorite American rock band of all time. And thankfully, thankfully, I was able to talk to guitarist Jim Babjack just six or seven weeks ago. I had been trying to get any member of that band on the show, including Pat, and uh, finally was able to kind of pin down Jim. And we had a really great conversation just recently. And in fact, at the end, I even expressed my concern over Pat's health. And uh, I was worried about what might be happening. And, and here he is, he's gone just a few weeks later. I am so grateful that happened. Uh, that conversation happened anyway. So normally when we do these tributes, I reach out to Steve Spears of the Stuck in the 80s podcast and bring him on to sort of dissect their career. Well, this time there was a role reversal. Bless his heart, Steve reached out to me and asked me to come on Stuck in the 80s to do a tribute to Pat on his show. So I'll be sharing the links to that very soon. I was very honored to be asked to do that. Uh, so instead, I had posted on Facebook that I was thinking of doing a tribute. And thankfully, big thanks out there to Andy Shaw, listener Andy Shaw, because he recommended that I get in touch with John Montagna of the Radio 418 podcast. Well, believe it or not, I've actually corresponded with John before. I knew him a little bit. In fact, I had been wanting to bring him on this show. He's a professional musician, and you'll find out at the in, at the very beginning of this conversation why I wanted to bring him on. He's done something that everyone knows but doesn't know that he's the one who did it. So his fandom of the Smithereens goes back as far as mine and deeper, probably. We share stories about our interactions with the band. Uh, he got to know them a little bit. Some very cool stories about what great guys these they are. And so... It's long. Normally these conversations go 20, 30 minutes. This one was much longer than that. You get two guys who are passionate about something talking, and it just goes. If you're not a Smithereens fan, I don't know what to tell you. Hopefully you learned something in here. If you are, I think you're going to love some of the anecdotes and the stories and the feelings that we express in this conversation. As is often the case, we always kick these things off with the guest's favorite song. In this case, it's Time and Time Again. Please check out John's podcast, Radio 418. It's very similar to this one. He talks to professional musicians about the life and hears their stories. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, John, for starters, why don't you uh, kind of introduce yourself to everybody? Tell us how we would know you and what you've been doing. How you would know me. Okay. You would probably, the, the, the two highest profile things, the three high, let's let's go with the three would be either the Alan Parsons Live Project. I was the touring bassist with uh, legendary producer and engineer Alan Parsons in the Alan Parsons Live Project uh, for about seven years. I toured, uh, as we say, the world and elsewhere with mm -hmm. Mr. Parsons. Um, and then I was the bassist on the Happy Together tours with uh, the Turtles featuring Flo and Eddie and a number of uh, artists from the 60s like uh, Gary Lewis and the Playboys and Mark Lindsay, Paul Revere and the Raiders, um, Gary Puckett, uh, Gary U.S. Bonds, Mickey Dolan from the Monkees came on that tour for a bit. Um, 
I'm also the creator of the theme music for the WTF with Mark Marin podcast. There you go. So yeah. those are the three things that, you know, if, uh, if if I had to give you what they call my elevator rap, uh, <laughs> you know, right. who's who's this guy? That would yeah. be, you know, what I've what I've done. Cool. And, and for anyone other other maybe, other credits, but you know, we'll sure. Those yeah, with those. lots of them. I mean, you're a working musician. Um, for anyone that's listening, there's a really excellent video you made of how you created the theme song for Mark <laughs> on YouTube that yeah. I've seen a couple of times, and it's excellent. So go look for that. Thank and you. you have your own podcast as well, correct? That's right. I have I have a podcast called Radio 418, uh, which is named after my birthday. There are no there's, I'm, I'm an Aries, April 18th. There's no uh, uh, reference to, you know, it almost being 420, like some people would like uh-huh. to think. <laughs> um, and it's basically, I like to describe it as WTF with musicians. You know, yeah. I, I talk to my fellow musicians about uh, what we call the life in music. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the talks will extend to non-musicians like i just had maria Melito from q1043 here in new york um also had uh my my friend ruby lawrence who was working on a, a music related um cartoon show uh, a couple of years back so but it's generally it's me and the, my and my fellow musicians just talking shop and you know yeah. talking about life as a musician so cool that's my podcast cool that's kind of radio radio 418.com radio 418 I said that's kind of what we do to we do here on yeah. this podcast. It's sort of long yeah. form interviews with uh you know, not the biggest names musicians, but some of the, the littler behind the scenes guy and what their what their lives are like. I will put in a plug, anyone who's interested. Uh, a couple months ago we had Alana Miles on here who sang Black Velvet back in the eighties. And I saw that. A, I meant to check that out. She's a trip. Uh, and yeah. it reminded me of an interview you did a while back with Mark Farner from uh, Grand Funk Railroad. That guy was also yeah. a trip. Very much oh, so. Yeah. So if you guys want to listen to a train wreck, go listen to the uh, Radio 418 interview with Mark Farner. So uh, I would I wouldn't call I wouldn't call it a train wreck, but I mean you know yeah okay maybe you're more Mark's <laughs> Mark's an, Mark is an interesting guy. Yeah, and yeah, and, that's better. You, you know yeah. what? You know what? As and you you know you understand this as a producer of online content uh you want to create stuff Absolutely. that's compelling and that's interesting totally. and that's why wanna, I you, you yeah. want conversations with people where that are going to grab your attention and i yeah. knew that going in i've i've hung out believe me I, you spend enough time on the road with that guy you know that <laughs> 90 a 90 minute conversation with that dude is you you're going to you're going to go places yeah you know what i, I mean believe it. i i will say he's one of the sweetest guys on the planet though you that can guy, tell you, you can know, tell he's a, one, I love he's a wonderful human being i love that guy yeah i love him so, i just thought his uh his his your chat with him was off the rails it was uh it was really a trip to listen to but yeah anyway in a good way in a good way i should say that's that's listening. the edited version by the way yes Okay. <laughs> oh man, I can only imagine. Um, anyway, okay. So now I brought you on because uh, number one, you and I have been corresponding. We corresponded a little bit about a year ago when you were transferring your podcast from Podomatic to Podbean, which is the right move. And um, and then um, your name was brought up as from one of our listeners as somebody who 
has a bit of a history with the smithereens. And I, for people who listen to my podcast, they know by now that the smithereens are a top 10 all-time favorite band of mine. I often argue that they are the greatest American rock band ever, and I understand that that's not in terms of impact or record sales or whatever. It's just number one in my heart. I love them so much. And uh, yeah. I recently had Jim Babjack on here, the guitarist. Just uh, I spoke Sweet. to him six weeks ago, maybe, and uh, nice. put it out pretty quickly. And in that conversation, we talked about Pat's ill health, and Pat was, or uh, Jim was, very protective of his bandmates, so he didn't get into details about, you know, how Pat was doing or anything. He didn't really let much out, so I didn't press. But I've had Good. conversations about Pat with Glenn Burtnick and Marshall Crenshaw, and these are all people who know them and love them and are concerned about them. What's been your history with the Smithereens? Okay, let me see if I can breeze through it. Uh, because I've been going over this history, you know, for the last... 48 hours or however long yeah. it's been since I, since I got the awful news. Um, New York City, 1986, 1987. I'm a freshman at, at Music and Art at LaGuardia High School of Music and Art in New York City. I'm 14 years old. I'm obsessed with the Beatles and the Monkees and, like, the music of the 60s. And I didn't really have a band of the present day that I could call my own, mm -hmm. you know, Bon Jovi. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. I don't think so. Right. And I listened to WNEWFM 1027 in New York. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I know you're in California. Is that correct? I'm in Denver. I'm in Denver. Colorado. You're in Denver. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm going to mention some New York centric type stuff. That's perfectly but fine. Growing up in Brooklyn, uh, awkward kid obsessed with music. Um, you know, it was, and people forget how hard it was to be a teenager into the Beatles in in the eighties. It was a it was a solitary pursuit, mm -hmm. uh, pre you know pre internet, pre YouTube, pre you know hey we all listen to the same music here in our family. Yeah. Um, so I heard Blood and Roses on the radio, and I said that can I can I, can I curse by the way on this? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I heard Blood and Roses on the radio, and I said that's the shit, man. Who is that? <laughs> And and I heard oh the and I heard it's the Smithereens the Smithereens yeah. I kept hearing this name the Smithereens and so then I got the single of Blood and Roses Behind the Wall of Sleep which I thought was brilliant double A sided single right and then mm -hmm. I heard both of those songs on heavy rotation on on uh, WNEW all the time got got the album played it incessantly yeah. uh, especially for you the first album yeah. Um, and then, so I was so thrilled to finally have like my band. Yeah. That 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 was that was the the band that I could enjoy because I wasn't, I didn't connect with you two. I didn't connect with you know. I mean, who I don't know who the bands were in those sure. days. Um, occasionally, I would like I would see Mister Mister in the you know mm. page with the lead singer, lead singer played the bass. I thought okay, they're all right, but then they kind of yeah. fizzled out after like three songs, right? Right. Right. Um, so then one day. After school, this is March of 1987, I'm in Tower Records on 66th and Broadway, uh, right by my school. That was the place where I would go to hang every day and spend my allowance money. Yep. And I see this guy walking around the aisles of the store, and it's Jim Badjack. And I know it's Jim Badjack right away. Now, again, 
I'm 15 years old. I'm a, I'm a kid from Flatbush. I didn't interact with rock stars in my daily life. I did not. Mm-hmm. It, it was not part of my routine to interact with people who were on records or on the radio or on TV or whatever. This was not part of my daily life. Um, and I was still attracted, you know, having just gotten accepted to LaGuardia and going into Manhattan for school every day was still a big deal. Right. right. I don't know where you grew up, but growing up in New York City in the five boroughs in Long Island uh, in like the 70s and 80s, Manhattan, as, as Alec Baldwin and Jerry Seinfeld was saying on their on his podcast, Manhattan was Emerald City. It was odd. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you grew up in Brooklyn or Queens or Long Island, or the, Manhattan was, you know, it was, it was Times Square. It was the Milford Plaza. It was the Million Dollar Movie. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I was. So to me, every day going to high school was still like, wow, you know. Yeah. So I'm in Tower Records and I see Jimmy from the Smithereens, and I'm like, yeah. oh. And he's just like walking around in the store. So I, I got ballsy. I went up and introduced myself. I'm like, are you Jim Babjack from the Smithereens? He goes, yeah, I am. How you doing? And he starts talking to me like we're buddies. He just uh-huh. starts, you know, there was no barrier between rock star and fan. And I'm like, yeah, man, I love especially for you. Oh, man, hey, thanks. That's really cool, man. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a bass player. Like, Oh, really? Yeah, how long have you been playing? Oh, that's great, man. What kind of stuff do you listen to? And we're, he's just <laughs> chatting with me. He's the best. And I take out my folder from my knapsack. I'm like, uh-huh. can I get your autograph? Can I get you to sign up? He's like, yeah, sure. And he signs it. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen Jim's autograph over the years where he writes cheers and he draws a little champagne glass. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So he, yeah. Yeah. So he did that. Oh, and, man. So nice. And then... And then he says, now keep in mind, I'm 15. Okay? Yeah. This is like, you know, it didn't, I didn't make the connection like that these are just guys from New Jersey or whatever. As mm-hmm. far as I was concerned, they, th- th- this is a guy springing to life out of a vinyl yeah. record off the radio. Right. I'm, I'm passing through a membrane into another reality. Sure. By That's amazing. You might as well have, I might as well have been meeting Pete Townsend or, or Pete right. Davies or Paul McCartney or any, you know what I'm saying? I so do. he signs the folder and he goes, you know, I'm meeting the other guys here in a few minutes. They should be here any minute. I was like, what? <laughs> so, and as he, as I'm, as I'm processing this information, I look into the store and I see Dennis from, oh. a, a, you know, across. Yeah. I'm like, I think Dennis is over there. And he and he looks up. And he goes, oh yeah. And he waves him over. He says, hey Dan, come here. I want you to meet a fan. And I was like, and he comes over, he's like, hey, man, how you doing? And even, if, 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 if this is possible, even friendlier than Jimmy. Hey, buddy, no what's going on? How are you? Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm like, it's the drummer from the freaking Smithereens. And yeah. he signs my folder, and he's like, oh, you're a bass player? That's great, man. And hey, and they, they were so super cool and friendly. Uh, and I had never, I was like, I was, my, my heart was racing. I couldn't believe yeah. it. So yeah. they were like, hey, listen, we're going to go inside in the store and do some shopping, man. So, But keep your eyes out. You know, Mike and Pat are going to be here any minute. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so now I'm standing by the door. They go into the store to shop. Now I'm standing by the door, like salivating. Uh-huh. Older. Okay. Yeah. I see Mike come up through the revolving doors into, into the store. And it just, it just looks like Mike Massaro's. He's got the empty sure. leather. He's just, oh. you know. 
you know, yeah. like a like a fucking rock star. And I he was the best him. looking of all of them for sure. Totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it looks like in some of the early photos they might have made him like the dominant one. Like there yeah. was a couple of the back cover photo of especially for you. Yep. You could be mistaken. To, into thinking that that Mike was the front man. I had the exact same thought. He's the one kind of you know? spread out right in front of everybody else. I agree. Yeah. That's right. And I could spend another podcast talking about how that guy influenced my bass playing mm. and my performance style, but that's a whole other conversation. Okay. So I stop him on his way into the store, and I give him the spiel. <laughs> I met the guys. He's like, oh, that's great, man. And, again, super cool. Super approachable, no pretense of like, you know, go away, kid, you bother me. Yeah. Signs my folder. He's like, yeah, man, that sounds great. Hey, you know, right, yeah, I'm going to go meet the guys. And he goes into the store. And then he left early. I remember him leaving like on his own. He's like, hey, man, take it easy. You know, he pat on the shoulder <laughs> and takes off. Okay. So Pat never shows up. Oh. Uh. So now I see De- Dennis comes back out and he's got like a handful of Motown 45s that he's buying. Oh. Right? Cool. And I'm like, I said, what you guys? Like, yeah, Motown. Yeah, this is great stuff, man. You know, and uh, and I was like, oh, so they're like they're fans too, like uh-huh. I am. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I was still discovering the music at that point, so it was like cool to see that they were fans like I was, right? Uh-huh. So Dennis is like, yeah, man, I don't know, I don't know where Pat is, man. He was supposed to meet us. I don't know what happened, and I don't know what made me do this. Just pure foolishness, being 15. Uh-huh. I said. Do you think if I write my address on the folder, will you like have Pat sign it for me, and then could you mail it back to me? No. I'm that like, is now who, 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 who does that? Who? What kind of an is? Like if someone did that to me now, like if someone wanted Flo and Eddie's autograph, and they were right. like, could you like have them sign this and then mail it back to me? I'd be like, that's all. Got it. <laughs> you know. And Dennis right. goes, yeah, sure, no problem. Write your address down. So, you know. Because uh, I was just caught up in the moment of like yeah. these guys who I only sure. knew from like a record. Yeah. So I write my address down. I give them the thing. Hey man, great to meet you. You know, I, I I head out of the store into the train home. I floated home. Yeah. And I told my parents what had just happened, and my sister was like, "You're never gonna see that again. What what, what were you thinking? <laughs> You're never gonna see that thing again. You you honestly think the smithereens are gonna be you know the okay." About a yeah. week later, I come home, and my sister goes, hey, uh, this came for you today, and it's a manila envelope addressed to me with the, with, with the return address, the yeah. smithereens, P.O. box, whatever, whatever. No way. Now, again, now again this is 1987. Yeah. I'm getting mail from my favorite band. Yes. <laughs> like, you think, you, think, you think Culture Club would have, like <laughs> – mailed something to no. one of their fans. You think no Foreigner would go out of their way to like just, okay, I open it up. There's the folder meticulously like paper clipped to a piece of cardboard and like on the, on the, like on the envelope, it's like, do not bend, you know, oh, no all that kind of stuff. And, and it's like, Hey John, sorry you had to wait so long. Best Pat Denizio. Oh, right. And then it kind of chokes I me op- up. Okay. I mean, how beautiful. John, I'm not done. I open the folder, and there is a handwritten note. I'm looking for it right now because I have it 
in my in one of my uh, albums here. Yeah. Um, let me see. Cause I want to I want to get this right. Uh, it's on the handwritten note on stationery from the Tides Motor Inn. Hey John, dated dated March 11, 1987. Hey John, how's that for service? Thanks for waiting around a tower. See you, tennis slash smithereens. P.S. Mrs. Montagna, please don't be mad at John for being late. <laughs> and wow. they have also stuck in a they uh, 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 an eight by eleven, like one of those promo shots yeah. of the band from Enigma Records, which yeah. they have all signed. No and a couple of uh, these Christmas cards. They made these Christmas cards that say "Seasons Greetings from the Smithereens," and oh. it's a picture of the and it's a picture of the four of them gathered around their van. No, <laughs> and it looks like it looks like the photo was taken like after a gig, and like Jimmy looks like he's had like twelve beers in him. Uh -huh. um, but it was just you know like they went out of their way to like give me yeah. this like care package. Bless their and hearts. You have to, but yeah, bless their hearts. But you have to understand, you know, again, bands didn't do that. This is no. pre-social media, pre, right. you know, you can go on Twitter and tell Madonna what you think of her latest album. This is right. before all that shit, okay? So you too was not going to be mailing me no. their autograph. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't, I I wasn't going to be getting a, a, a care package of stuff from from wham right okay so this was a big fucking deal that this yeah. was my band um and and it was and this is this this yeah. is the the thing about their music that it spoke directly and i think most of us who are fans of theirs will agree this is music that spoke directly to us yeah there was sure no is. divider nope. um you know, you you felt like you were a part of it. So then, so that was that. So that was like, I'm, I'm, they, I, they, they got a fan for life right there. Man. So then, Green Thoughts came out, and I, I wore that record out. I should, I, yeah. I should have said, I wore that tape out. Right. Uh, and I just loved all the songs on that. That lot of, I got it for my 16th birthday, and I, a lot of, um, where we lived in Brooklyn, my subway platform when I, when I went to school the, the my, my subway platform was uh an elevated track mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. you, so you were like waiting for the train there's there's parts of brooklyn where you're waiting for the train like above ground so i'd be like okay. outside and i just remember my birthday like i said april 18th my birthday's in the spring so just glorious like spring mornings with green thoughts playing on my little walkman uh. To be you know, yeah. 16 years old, outside in the springtime, listening to just uncut, I've been using this phrase a lot the last 24 hours, uncut, unfiltered American rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, what's better yeah. than that? What is yeah. fucking better than that when you're 16, right? Yeah. So, play War Green Thoughts Out. That summer, I was working at a uh, at a summer camp in Connecticut, and... The Smithereens were going to be playing at Jones Beach, opening up the Squeeze. Ooh. Okay. My other favorite band. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I couldn't get the, the camp was in Connecticut, and I couldn't get away from the camp to go see them. Right. And I was really bummed out, and I, and I was really frustrated. And my dad said, "Look, 
Next time Smithereens play in New York, I'll take you. Wherever it is, whenever it is, I'll take you, okay? And I said, fine. Mm-hmm. I find, come to find out that they're playing the Beacon Theater that October. And he was like, all right, we're going. So Saturday, October 29th, 1988, Beacon Theater, Smithereens, Paul Kelly and the Messengers opening. Yep, that's what I uh, saw, too. You were at that show? Well, I was at the Salt Lake City stop on that, that tour. tour. Yeah. Yeah, I saw them okay. with Paul Kelly opening. Yeah, that was the show that sealed the deal for me in terms of wanting to actually be a rock star. Oh, like, really? Was, that was the show. I mean, I knew I had the, the I had already had the you know I want to be a part of that moment yeah. when I'd, I'd seen the Monkees reunion two years earlier at the Pier wow. in New York. And that was that. That was my first concert, and it was like, man, whatever's going on over there, I want, I want in, I want yeah. in on on that, okay. Yeah. Um, and I had seen, you know, we we used to go to a decent amount of concerts in those days. I mean, I remember sure. seeing uh, Suzanne Vega at Radio City Music Hall. Mm. I saw Sting at the Garden on the Nothing Like the Sun tour, Whoa. and those were great shows. But the first time I looked down on the stage and said, that could be me. Yeah. I want to be there doing that the way those guys are because they look like me. And this is the other thing that I realized about Pat specifically. There were no Italian-American rock stars. Huh. You're probably right. <laughs> that, I mean, I've never thought that of that before. I mean, John Bon Jovi, kind of. But it wasn't, yeah. you know, you didn't, you didn't look at Bon Jovi and think, like, that dude's Italian. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Pat was Pat was a, a paisan and it yeah. was and, and pronounced it. Yeah. And that, that came out more like later and later in life. One of the times I met him after a show in Boston, uh, and the crowd was sort of a little too cool for school and it and it was a hard they were the band was having a hard time getting the crowd like on their side. There was a couple of diehards down front like me. Right. And afterward when I was talking to him after the show, you know, he was like, I don't know what these what was up with these people, man. They were little Lugats tonight. You know? <laughs> yeah. He sounded like he could have been like right. my older like the older brother I never had. You know sure. what I mean? Uh-huh. So uh-huh. but I just looked down and I, I just watched the four of them. No light show, no props, yeah. no nothing, just two guitars, bass and drums, just owning the Beacon yeah. Theater. And I was, and I, and that was, that was the show that really made me want to be, like, in the rock and roll business. I want to be down there doing that. So for me, the dream was never Madison Square Garden. My Uh dream was the Beacon Theater. And I got to play the Beacon Theater last summer uh, when the Happy Together. I jumped on a couple of Happy Together dates uh, when the Happy Together tour hit the Beacon Theater. So I got to, I got to. That was that was the thrill for me. Good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I took so and my the the um my desktop uh photo on my laptop is a shot I took from the stage of of the empty theater. Wow. But in any case, yeah, so That's that was cool. yeah. So so that okay. show that night was like that was a magical moment where I looked down and I was like, holy crap! Like I could, yeah. I could actually be doing that, and okay. I want to do that, and that's 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 where I want to be. So, uh, wow. so then after that, I just was I was hopeless, and I and I again I felt like I knew them, 
even though I hadn't yeah. met Pat yet, I'd met the other three guys, and they had they had mailed me a thing. They had my address, sure. you know. So as far yeah. so in my mind, these guys were my friends. Yeah, we're friends then. <laughs> right, but also, you know what? Listening to the music, listening to Pat sing, the way yeah. he could articulate loneliness and yeah. frustration, you and, and and the way those guys played, you know, there was a simplicity. Yeah. To what Absolutely. they did, not, I mean, I, not simplicity, but there was no. There's a, a, a kind of a connection. You, it felt easy to connect to or relatable. Yes, you know, it was. Yeah. it was very easy to feel like you didn't have to be a stalker. No, to feel like you know you knew these guys because they were yeah. from they were from the same. Uh, eventually, I figured out that they're more or less from the same part of the world that I am. You know, yeah. east, you know, Eastern Seaboard. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, I didn't have that connection with with Night Ranger. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I'm just uh-huh. just thinking of like all of the other bands that were popular then. Sure. You know, got, you know sure. guys with like giant hair going. Wah! Yeah. You know, yeah. here's a guy singing in a low a low register yeah. with a leather jacket on. They're not pretending to be anything that they're not. They're wearing whatever they were wearing that day yeah. on stage, um, and you know, like I'm sure there were other bands like REM and the DBs and bands like that that you know the college right. radio. Type. Sure. I didn't really, I didn't really connect with that scene either. You know, yeah. these were having met three of them already. I felt like yeah. these were guys I could I could hang with. Sure, you know what I mean. And and I felt like they would they would accept me. You yeah. know what I mean. And they, you know, they they had a lot to do with me developing my confidence as a teenage boy good you know what i mean so did you carry on throughout the generations i mean have you always been a fan and bought every album and stayed absolutely i mean you know you go through you go go, through through a really serious down period there for a while and uh, what would you consider now what what would you consider that to be uh i would say after a date after yeah after a date with the smithereens when they started doing the beatles cover albums and the who cover albums, well, Christmas albums, and stuff like that. They couldn't get arrested, unfortunately. I mean, maybe on the Eastern Seaboard they were playing to, you know, in taverns and pubs and clubs and, you know, to commanding audiences, but they weren't making a ripple really anywhere else except to their diehard fan base. Well, I think that that's I I I don't disagree with that. Um, I will say this. Uh, is, and, and I'm sure you, you've spoken to enough people in the music business that can confirm this. Nobody stays on top forever. Oh, absolutely. No. You know what no, I mean? Of course not. Uh, yep. So I think, you know. It's not their fault. I, I, it's just the way no, that it's it not the, No, exactly. Yeah. I just, I think, you know, I mean, um, it's, you know, you, you do what you need to do to survive. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at Pat's obituary in the Times. And one of the things that he says is that you know, the credo of the band is you never give up, right? Yeah. The 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 dedication that those four guys showed to each other about doing what's right for the group, you know, even if it meant doing an album of Beatles covers, which is, as I understand it, when Koch Records approached them with that idea, Pat leveraged that deal for them to finance. A yep. new album. Like, we'll yep. do your Beatles covers if you finance a new album, and that's how right. uh, 2011 got made. Yeah, unfortunately it wasn't, you know, for like 15 years or whatever. And, in fact, right. I think that's why they had to do the Who Tommy album, 
was like yeah. same thing. Well, we have 2011. It's ready to go. You got to give us one more covers album, and then we'll put out your. You know, we'll push your 2011. Right. But, um, Listen, yeah. that that does not that doesn't negate the quality of especially for you or Green. No, Thoughts. no. You know what I mean? This is not. all about if anything. This, yes. Well, it shows that. Business. I mean, yeah. These, sorry, I have these conversations with people all the time about you know the because that's what I focus on on the podcast. It's sort of the the up and the down. You know, it's not their fault. They they got something happened, and unfortunately, a band like the Smithereens never completely broke through to the mass audiences anyway. As, as comforting and comfortable and beautiful as their sound is to people like us, it's not. You know, it's not Culture Club or Bon, bon Jovi, unfortunately. So they were. <laughs> marginal and on the fringe anyway, and then to have just sort of frittered away there in the 90s like they did, it was so disheartening. But I feel like the last few years, they've you know they've made a name for themselves as this touring uh, touring band that's playing to their diehard audience, and it's been really satisfying watching the outpouring of love and support on social media for Pat. It's like, well, right. finally, this band that you kind of took for granted a little bit, now you appreciate them. I, I, that's better than nothing, I guess. You know. Well, that, that's right. Um, but more importantly, for people like us, it doesn't matter to me. No, no. That, that they're, whether they're whether they're the, the most popular band in America or not. True. Yeah. It doesn't that doesn't it do, you know? I doesn't. It used to bother. How come they're not more popular? Right. The hell do I care? Right. You know what but I mean? But don't you? But they I care because that, for they, them. They deserve it. You know. When I interviewed so that, Jim a few weeks ago, he's got a day job, mm -hmm. you know. I don't want yes. the, one of the greatest guitarists in history who plays for right. one of my favorite bands. I don't want him getting up and going to a job every day. Of course I want not. him to be, you know, lauded for how wonderful he is. But unfortunately, right. they, just, they, were, they were stung, including Pat's health, with a series of just bad luck, you know. It sure. shouldn't happen right. to a band this good, and yet it did. And it's unfortunate, well, but... It, but it, it did. It shouldn't. It's, it's just I mean, not you fair. Know, for, okay, you know? <laughs> okay. But again, you know, what shouldn't is a is a word that's that you know it's very easy to toss around. Good point. You know, this what with the, the the thing that I've if there's anything I've learned all these years, um, is that the music business is not for everybody, and the fact yeah. that these guys were able to do what they did, it, that that alone is a is a miracle. I mean. Yeah. You know, I talked to Howard Kalin from the Turtles about this on my podcast. Um, I mean, the Turtles, Flo and Eddie, Mark and Howard, things have happened to those guys yeah. that 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 you wouldn't believe. But okay. if you read Howard, if you read Howard's book uh, called Shell Shocked. There's things that I mean, they, Flo and Eddie went to do a tour of Australia. They show up in Australia and then dates get canceled. And they're stranded in Australia. They barely have enough money to fucking fly home. Yeah. Right. So, Gosh. um, and I said to him, I said, meanwhile, there's, here's two of the guys from Badfinger literally <laughs> yeah. killing themselves, oh, man. hanging, well, hanging themselves in their garage story. over yeah. what, over mm -hmm. what business deals gone bad. I said, yeah. why is it that you and Mark have been able to, you just keep guys keep on truck. I said, it would never occur to Howard. I know Howard, man. It would never occur to him to go hang himself in the garage, you know? Yeah. This business is not for everybody, and those guys, you know, they—they, they, I, I think that has something to do with the, the the fact that they would take that time 
to put together a care package for me, a little old me, nobody, yeah. 15-year-old yeah. me, and mail it to my house. Um, the fact that I, that yeah you know, that they would they would meet you, yeah. stand outside the gig and talk to you after the show. Oh, let me let me first before we go on about how terrible the business. Let me tell you about the first time I met Pat. Oh, okay. Now, just real quick, while while sure. fresh in my mind. Again, yeah. so haven't met him yet. <clears throat> got the folder. Got Green Thoughts Beacon Theater. Uh, they've changed you know changed my life. Now Green Thoughts is just you know. And then Eleven comes out. Same thing. I'm I got the cassette wearing Eleven out. Yep. Uh, just I just devouring every bit of that music I could get my hands on. So then. Uh, Summer of 1990, I graduated from LaGuardia. I'm going to Berkeley in September, and it's the summertime. I'm hanging out with some buddies of mine in, in the city, and we're outside the China Club. And the the door of the China Club swings open, and out walks Pat with oh. uh, some with a with a girl on his arm. Might have been his wife at the time. I'm not sure, sure. Um, but he had, he had he had, a, he, he had a girl with him. And I recognize him like immediately, and I'm uh-huh. like, "Oh my god!" And I and I go up to him, "Hey," and you know, "Hey, Pat, I'm a fan." Da, 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 da. And he goes, "Oh, hey, man, how you doing?" And he was like, "I didn't want to. I don't. I don't remember if I brought up. Oh, you signed my folder with this and that uh-huh. because if you would have remembered or whatever. But I, right. I've been a fan of yours a long time. And again, exactly the interaction you would want. Sweet." And yeah. friendly and cool and yeah, hey man, good to meet you. Yeah. What's your name? Oh, you play bass? Oh, that's great, man. Hey, I mean, we're hanging out with. Them. I said, so what, what were you doing? Today? He said, oh yeah, you know, I went in to hang out. And, you know, I jammed with the band up there at the China Club. I was like, oh well, what's your place? Yeah, well, we we played money, but uh, you know, the guys did the guys in the house band didn't know it, so I kind of had to show them the changes. And as he's as he's saying, I had to show them the changes. He's miming playing a guitar. Uh-huh. And he's miming the, playing the guitar like exactly like that. The stance that he had on stage uh-huh. in those days, we had like his legs spread apart, and he like bounced up and down. I like, remember, you know, playing. The, yeah, sure. So he's like, so, so like, I had to show him the changes, show him how it goes, and like as he's saying that, he's like miming like the Patsonizio guitar stance, and it was like, oh. a, like a quick like two seconds private concert. Yeah, of, like his like rock and roll swagger, you know. Yeah. yeah, and it was like, well, look, man, thanks for the music. I love the new album. He's like, he's like, all right, man, good to see you. Have a great night. And he like hails a cab and he like gets into the cab and drives away. It was like a quick, totally cool. spontaneous, totally yeah. not expecting to to meet a rock star that night, much less that fucking guy. Yeah, right? yeah. So then I go to Berkeley. Uh, Blow up comes out. Too much passion is everywhere, and they play a show at the Orpheum uh, for WBCN, which is the classic rock station in, in Boston. And the show was Matthew Sweet, Ooh. The Sugar Cubes oh. with, with Bjork, right? Oh, yeah. And and the Smithereens, the Smithereens with a headliner. Okay. Oh. And Matthew Sweet was all right. The Sugar Cubes were weird. Bjork was. Bjork had like this Princess Leia haircut with like the buns on the other side on either oh, side. Okay. And I don't know if you remember the Sugar Cubes at all. I do. Sure. I have a couple of Yeah. Them okay. So there yeah. was like Bjork and then there was like this other guy who was like the the, the co front uh-huh. person in that band. And like he was really weird. Like I remember she was wearing like this little mini dress and combat boots and she'd be dancing around on stage. And then the other guy would be like singing like through a bullhorn or something. 
Uh-huh. And, like, at one point the monitors were feeding back, and the guy goes, is someone trying to sabotage these feeds? <laughs> And I'm like, could you could you guys like finish up and bring on the boys from New Jersey or whatever? And they, it was real kind of artsy and weird. And then they cleared the stage, and then the lights are down, and I see the guys come out. And the, the lights are down, and I see the four guys uh-huh. come out. And Pat goes up to the mic, he goes, "All right, everybody, wake up!" And everyone goes, ah, "We're the Smithereens from New Jersey," and they plowed into Girl Like You, and I was like, "Yes." Yeah. All right, and I was sitting in one of those like box seats, like up, like uh-huh. up to the side of the stage, like directly over the stage, uh-huh. and I'm like waving at them the whole time. And at one point, Pat like runs over to me and like gives me a huge like high five and puts a guitar pick in my hand. No way, really? Yeah, and he gives uh-huh. me a, like grabs my hand and he, and he looks at me like yeah, and he like slaps the guitar pick in my hand, which I don't know where that guitar pick is to this day. Oh. There's a yellow guitar pick that said Patanesio on it. Oh, man. And, yeah, so and, so cool. they, and they they rocked the Orpheum, which is slightly smaller than the Beacon, but, you know, similar kind of like, you know, theater. Yeah. And, um, and the same thing, hung around the backstage store. He came, I, I remember, like, we were in this, like, alleyway on the side of the side of the building, and this was at the time when that, that was, there was this Energizer battery campaign with this mm-hmm. Australian character, Jocko or something. He was the guy oh. that went, oi! That guy, okay. Remember that? <laughs> remember that one? Vaguely. Okay. So, like, he, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, we're waiting, or a bunch of us are waiting, you know, waiting around in the, you know, the side of the theater. All of a sudden, I hear this voice, energize me! Oi! And from around the corner <laughs> comes Pat, like, and like hanging out, signing autographs and shaking. And again, being super duper cool, friendly, yeah. easygoing, you know, yeah. same kind of deal. Uh, so I'm again at the bottom line, did a solo acoustic show opening for Nils Lofgren. Right. And he said, hello, super sweet. Uh, uh, that time in, uh, the other time in Boston, at the, uh, I think it was the Middle East was the name of the club. Okay. Um, where he like hung out and talked to me. This was right after uh, a date with the Smithereens. Wow, and I was in the I was in the very very front, like with my elbows on the stage for them. Uh-huh. And now, like you say, it was like starting to wind down. The Middle East was like a pretty small venue compared to the Beacon, and the fact yeah. that I could get that close to the stage. Yeah. Um, but his his sort of Italian American kind of swagger got a little bit stronger at that Did point. It? Like at one point, this, well, something something was wrong with one of his pedals at one point, or something happened uh-huh. where the guy. That Rody had to come out and fix something. He's like, "Hey, everybody, this is—I I forget the guy's name, Eddie or whatever. This is Eddie. He's my guitar tech. Everybody, say hi, Eddie." Like, hey. uh-huh. And then, and then he goes, "That's great. Now get the fuck off my stage." <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's great. Yeah. And, I, uh... Yeah, and so he was. There was a lot. There was a lot of that kind of stuff. And I, but and I thought that's so cool because and he's doing it without being like hostile. Like he's yeah. he, he's it's always funny. Yeah. You know. True. I uh, so I saw them back in '87 or whatever '88. I was 14, 15 years old. Saw them on the okay. tour with Paul Kelly and the Messengers, and um, them a lot. Did you say something? No. Oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you had. I said that. sweet. I said sweet. Oh, sweet. Okay. Your... I thought you said wait. Anyway. No, no. So uh, saw them back then, and I bought eleven shortly after that, and I've always liked them. But about 15 years ago, my fandom started to really 
increase. And this was during their sort of fallow period. And again, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Bands okay. didn't come through there ever, you know. And so I was really afraid that as my love for them was increasing, my my opportunity to ever see them again was going away. And it was just breaking my heart that I hear I love this yeah. band and I saw them when I was a kid before I really could appreciate what I was seeing. And now I would give anything to see them, and I probably never will. And a little over four years ago, now I live in Denver, and they played a street fair here in uh, a town called Louisville. And I saw that they were coming, and I went to the street fair. And I got there early because I had never been there. I had no idea how many people would be there. It was free. And um, I got there really early. And he was just standing by the side of the little room that they were singing in. And uh, I just walked up to him and put my arm around Pat, I love you. I you have no idea how much I love. You. We ah. chatted for a little bit, and I just remember he really wanted some bananas. He was kind of in a little bad bit of a bad mood uh, at this point. You know, this was four years ago, so his health was getting bad. And, um, oh wow, well, this is very was, recently. Yeah, and he was kind of you know begging for someone to get him. Hey, you know, I asked for those bananas. Could you finally give me some bananas? I guess he needed them for like. Potassium, because maybe he was diabetic or whatever. You know, it was going to help him anyway. So we were chit chatting for a little bit, and I was kind of bananas are also good. Yeah, they're good for potassium when you get when you're getting like cramps and stuff like that. That's probably okay. So I'm sure it was health related. He really needed bananas, and he uh, we got a picture taken, and the band came over, and they were all signing my post. And I had mentioned to him, I said, you know, we talked for maybe five or ten minutes, and I said, you know, I've been trying to contact you because. You do those concerts, and I really want you to come do one at my house. I will pay you to do it. And I said, yeah. I mailed, I emailed you through your website several times, and I never hear back. And he said, oh, well, let me give you my personal email address. And right wow. then, he was flanked by, like, three or four women fans of his. And I never got the email address because I didn't want to – he was sort of whisked away by other fans right at that very moment, you know? And it's always, right. I've always regretted it. And maybe a year or two later, he played, they played a, uh, uh, like a casino here outside of Denver in the mountains in Colorado. And I drove okay. up to go to that one as well. Yeah. And it was such a great show. And at the end, he's like, so guys, we're going to be, you know, out here in a few minutes signing merch. And he looked right at me. I even made sure to wear the shirt and hat yeah. so that just yeah. in case he remembered who I was, you know. He looks yeah, right sure. at me and he says, "Stick around, will you, so we can talk?" And uh, I, and, you know, I'm getting goosebumps just now thinking about it. So sure, sure. I wait for a while, and um, sure enough, they come out. But then again, there's like this, you know, line a mile long of people wanting to talk to him, and I'm right. sort of, I can't really tell if he, if that was like a personal invitation to connect with me directly, or if he was just being nice. I wasn't sure. I kind of stood on the outskirts for about an hour, and the crowd never died down, and I finally just yeah. left. And I've always kind of regretted uh-huh. that, too. And uh, mm-hmm. and then I saw them just a couple of months ago here in Denver, and it was right after he had fallen, and he his arm was in a sling, and he couldn't move his arms. And it was really sad. Yeah. He he had to be sort of helped on and off the stage and, like, propped up to the microphone. And once he was there, he was in his usual, you know, funny uh personality and he was fine but he had to be helped everywhere and the guys would have to like hold a pepsi with a straw up to his mouth so that he could 
sip it because he couldn't pick it up himself or it would be on like a music right. stand that was raised to his mouth level so he could kind of water and get a sip. Anyway, it was so tragic. But um, So anyway, yeah. I just wanted to throw in my experience with Pat yeah. knowing him a little bit. You know, I don't know if he actually knew who I was or he was just being nice with someone. You know, I'm down there screaming the words to Alone at Midnight, which is my favorite Smithereen song. And maybe he nice. saw that and just thought, Here's my guy. This guy's a fan. You know, I can relate to him. Right. Anyway, I don't know. But. Right. Well, it, listen, it's very, the way he was, it was very easy for yeah. him to think, oh, yeah, yeah. he knows me. Yeah. Because cause he, when, when we were talking that last time, he, like, totally remembered me and was, like, talking to me like he already knew me. So if I just show up, I mean, I did that when he played the bottom line. Yeah. I, I showed up at the door. As if he already knew me, and having yeah. having experienced a little bit of the other side myself, because when we did the Alan Parsons gig, Alan is a very sort of mysterious figure who kind mm-hmm. of like hovers in the background. Yeah, uh, the band members are featured very prominently in that band, so it was a unique experience for me. That's just just to 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 say that as a, even though I was technically a quote unquote sideman. Uh huh. I got a lot of star time in that yeah. band. I sang lead. I sang lead on two songs. Whoa. I was in the front line. Alan was on a riser, like at the back, and the front line oh. of the band was like Godfrey Townsend, the guitarist, the lead singer, who we had like a rotating like lead lead vocals chair, and myself. Okay. So here I am now, signing autographs and posing for pictures and doing all that shit. Yeah. And I learned. You know, from from the smithereens, I learned someone comes up to you and tells you you're a fan, you treat them with respect and dignity, and you right. hang and you talk and you, you there's no barrier. So it really was. I learned how to relate to the public. You know, from those guys. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, because I remember how much it meant to me, especially if it, if it's like young kids. Like if a yeah. guy comes, because, you know, Alan's fan base is, you know, skews a little bit older. But every once in a while you get, like, some guy comes in, hey, man, my son's 12 and he's playing yeah. the bass and he wants to meet you. Yeah. You know, I don't care I what, I don't I don't care if, 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 we're, if we're supposed to be boarding a plane in 10 minutes. I got time yeah. to talk to that kid. Sure. Always. Yeah. Because I remember how, that it changed. I mean, I'm getting, like, emotional thinking about it. Like, it, it changed yeah. my life when those guys stepped, stepped off of the LP cover and came to life yeah. and we're like, Hey buddy, you know, that yeah. I'm getting like, I'm getting misty talking about this. Like sure. that, I it, believe it. it literally changed my life and you can change someone's life just by looking them in the eye and saying, Hey man, thanks for listening. Yeah. So I never yeah. forgot that. Yeah. Um, having said that, I also know what it's like when people invent relationships in their head with yeah. people. Yes. Like, I've had to run interference for, you know, certain yeah. artists who I will not name. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when you do like a show like the Happy Together Tour where there's like a half a dozen artists, mm-hmm. right? You, so it's like the backstage kind of hustle times five, right? Right. And you get these people that they know where the tour bus is and they come around. Is so-and-so going to be here soon? I have to talk yeah. to them. I used to, work, I used to work for him many years ago. Oh, boy. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and so, and then I'll go back, and then I'm in the venue, and I'll go, hey, and I'll go up to the dude, 
there's this woman that says, and and he'll be like, oh man, I gotta get security, have her dragged away. Yeah, yeah. I met her at a show. I met her at a show 25 years ago, and since then, anytime I'm in this area, she turns up, and you know, like there was, I, I had one artist actually, whose wife uh, contacted me. And was like, listen, I was looking at your Facebook profile page, and it looks like someone that this woman has contacted you. She thinks that she's married to my husband. Oh, God! So, oh, do boy. not engage with this person. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and this is, and you know, people get killed in situations sure. like this. Sure. You know what I mean? With, yeah. With crazy. So the fact that those guys, you know, it, 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 it's not. I guess the point I'm laboring toward is that it is not easy. Yeah. should be that accessible to your fans. And right. it's and it's a, it's a huge risk. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? But the, yeah. those guys those guys, you know, lived it and Pat could Pat had that yeah. way of talking to you in such a way that you you could easily think, "Oh yeah, he's my buddy. Yeah. I've, I've met him twice." This you know is what I mean? that's exactly yeah. what went through my mind when he's looking at yeah. straight into my eyes and he says, "Stick around, will you, so we can talk after?" And I'm thinking, "He's ta- yeah. he wants to talk to me. He remembers that we chatted totally. on the street a year ago. Absolutely. And then I get Absolutely. there, and there's 100 people waiting to talk to him, and I I think, I'm not going to be that guy. I don't want him to think I'm nuts. And so I just left. Waiting around. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So, anyway. It's, it's, look, that's, that's, a, that's an awkward it's, – it's, look, if you think about it, it's totally unnatural. If you think about sure. that situation, waiting in line – like, if you go to a party at someone's house, and there's like one guy sitting on the couch, like like the guy whose house it is is sitting on the couch, and all the guests are lined up, and they've got three minutes to like interact with them, and they go, okay, well it was nice to meet you, goodbye, next. Yeah. It's totally unnatural and awkward right. to like right. wait in line to meet someone. You know what I mean? That's yeah. why I'm so thrilled that the first time I met the boys was at Tower Records. Yeah. And the first time I met Pat was on the street outside the China Club, yeah. right? All of the other sort of like meet and greet situations, you know, th- those yeah. were cool. Uh, but like since then, I met, I think the last time I met Pat was when they, they played B.B. Kings for the 30th anniversary of Especially for You. Mm. Okay. Right? And by this time, Pat was not playing guitar. Yep. Um, I'd seen him a few more times. I saw them at... Uh, I saw Pat's solo show at the Mercury Lounge. Uh, I'd seen them on this cruise in New York oh. when uh, when 2011 came out, and I got a I got a selfie with Pat at the merch table, which is now my Facebook profile picture. Yep, I um, do. <laughs> you know picture. what I mean? Yeah, and, my picture um, with Pat. So, but the BBS, so I definitely wanted to see the 30th anniversary of Especially for You, and I brought my LP cover of Especially for You. And of my my beauty and sadness album. There you go. I have a, I have an original copy of Beauty and Sadness on vinyl that I got at Sounds on St. Nice. Mark's Place, which is one of those record stores that's, that's yeah. no longer with us. Yeah. And so I'm standing at the back, and by this time, uh, Dennis and I have a mutual friend, a bass player in New York named Jeff Gans. Okay. And. And Gans was like, oh, you're going to see the Smithereens? Say hi to Dykin for me, man. He's a buddy of mine. I play with him all the time. Okay? So yeah. I'm, standing at the, I'm standing at the back at BB King's, and Pat's, 
you know, he's not playing the guitar, but he's got he's got the jacket on and he's, you know, singing his ass off. And it's especially for you in its entirety. I mean, yeah. you know, what's what's heavy. better than that? Yeah. Heavy. And they sound and they sound great and they're running like a video montage of like photos of them from back in the day and it's like you know, all those years playing on the Happy Together tour, I never understood like exactly like why people would come up to me after the show and be like that was the greatest show ever. Yeah. I remember those songs from when I, I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, hippie star child. Okay. Yeah. Now I get how nostalgia works. Right. Okay? The same feeling I got when I saw Living Color at the City Winery. Oh. Played, this is like, like, like a year ago. And they played Cult of Personality. Yes. And I was almost in tears because I was 16 again. Right? Like, I get it. So, yep. At yep. some point, in between the songs, they're talking or whatever, and I'm I'm holding up the LP cover, and from the back, Pat goes, "Somebody's got a copy of Especially for You," and they everyone turns around, they see me waving the album up, and there was a woo. He says, "You want us to sign it?" And there was a yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, and he goes, "It's a hundred dollars." And everyone laughs. He goes, "I'm serious, man." Right, and then. So they finish the show. Uh, I move my way up to the uh, backstage. And just, I've played BB Kings like thousands of times, so I kind of know where all the secret nooks and crannies are, sure. right? Sure. And Dennis comes out, and I see him, and I didn't want to go, hey, my folder. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh-huh. Now uh-huh. we're sort of like we're both musicians on the, in the same kind of scene. Yeah. And I go, hey, man, Jeff Gann says hello. He goes, Gans, how's he doing? And that imme- so immediately, uh-huh. Dennis, you know, that was like, you know, you have like the, the mutual friend that's like the key to unlock the relationship. Sure, of course. And, and Dennis says something to the effect of like, let's stay in touch. Let's play together sometime, whatever, you know. Yeah, getting, yeah, you, you write me on Facebook, man. We'll be in touch. I hope we get to play sometime or whatever, you know. So nice. I'm a little bit less of a fanboy at this point, but not right. much. Right, right. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, fifteen year old me is, yeah. is dragging forty five year old me to this show. I you know it. what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I managed to finagle my way into the into Pat's dressing room with the LP covers, and he was like, "Hey man, I was serious about that hundred dollars to sign it, man, because I can't move my hands." And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh. Dude, then don't even worry about it. Just, no, man, yeah. let's go. I'll sign. Fuck it, let's go. And he gets and he gets the sharpie and he and he writes like Pat like across yeah the, across the LP covers and it's like sloppy, but he did it for me. Sure. He's like, no, man, come on, you brought you know you brought it in, let's go. That's know? almost more and interesting. I was like, what's that? That's a, that's almost more meaningful having that autograph, given where he's been the last couple of years with his health. Than the healthy young Pat Denizio that could have signed anything a million times back in the day. I guess. I mean, I kind of felt very conflicted about it nah. at the time. You have a I special like, piece of history said, there. Look, I think. it's okay. It's okay. He's like, no, man, yeah. come on, we'll fuck it, let's go. You know. Yeah. Come on, well, you know, why not? You know. There's only and a few of those autographs. There's millions of the others. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was still. You know, it, you know, at, at this point in my life, again, having having done this professionally for over 20 years, having been to the other side, where I'm like now people are waiting in line to talk to me, which was always a little dubious because I, you know, it's not like 
I, I would say that the actual John Montagna fans count maybe in the like dozens <laughs> worldwide, but which I, which is which is fine. A lot, right. you know, um, and I and I love them, but right. uh, you know, most most of the people that were waiting in line to meet me just wanted to meet, you know, had just been to the Alan Parsons show or the Flo and Eddie show yeah. and just wanted to be near the band. Sure. You know what I mean? There's, there's only a and handful do. of people that are actual John Montagna fans that have all of my solo albums and all that kind right. of stuff. Right. But, um, so, but again, I just, it was one of those things where it was like, yeah. I got to go kiss the ring because these guys, yeah. as I get older, their influence on me has not waned. Yeah. In any case, that was the that was the last time I saw him. Uh, no, I'm wrong. I take that back. Last time I saw him was over the summer in July. I took my father for his 70th birthday. We went to the Iridium uh, to see Mark Hudson. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And Mark uh, was doing this thing one the first Monday of every month. I think it was. Um, he would do this thing at the Iridium where he would host like an all-star, like, you know, guests coming up and doing like a jam session kind of yeah. thing. And uh, he had Corey Glover from Living Color, uh, Michael Ciro, who's a guitar uh, guitarist uh, here in New York, and Pat. And I was like, oh, great, I'll get to see Pat. This would be fantastic. And and like you say, he had to be helped on stage. Yeah. Both yeah. arms were left non-functional. Yeah. And he had the Scotch Plainsman with him, and he did like – I think he did Behind the Wall of Sleep, Blood and Roses, and two Beatles songs. Sure. But like again, once he you know once he got yeah. like onto the stage and to the mic, yeah. he had like all the charisma yep. that he ever had, and sang his ass off yep. and sounded great. And so I you know I don't really know exactly what was going on. Um, I'm. I, I found the full seventh inning stretch show on YouTube, and I'm going to watch oh, that yeah. at some point. I'm a, I know the address. I want to see that like, too. When he first when he first got ill. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I I don't really know the extent of uh of of, of what he was dealing with and 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 all yeah. that, but um. Yeah, you know, sure. I just I he was a, he was a soldier, man. He just kept yeah. going and going. Would yeah. not, you know, he didn't stop. The fact that he couldn't play the guitar didn't stop him from getting on stage, right. and you know, exalting the rock and roll. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. Okay. And that's that to me. That's the that's the spirit of rock and roll. Yeah, you get out there and you and you deliver the goods to the people. You, you know? did. Yeah, you sure did. And you know, I do this thing. Uh, whenever I travel to my gigs, to and from my gigs, I'm, I listen to music constantly. In fact, I have a little YouTube series called Ride Jams, where I show like, okay, I just parked, I just parked the car, and you know, I came home from my gig, and here's what I listened to on the way in, and here's what I listened to on the way back. Okay, last night I worked in the city. Uh, I did a, did a holiday event in the city, and I was on, I took the train, and I loaded up my iPod with all. Smithereens, right? Yeah. And so I listened to Eleven all the way through, which I haven't done in years. Yeah. And then I listened to a bunch of uh, A Date with the Smithereens and then some of 2011. And the thing that blew me away when I was listening to A Date with the Smithereens, that album's 1994? Uh, uh, Date with the Smithereens. I think it's 93. It's around there, though. 93, 94, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
came out at the height of like the alternative grunge yep. era. Okay, I I'm 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 going to name names here just for the sake of 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 sure. this conversation. You put on anything else from 1994? I don't know if it's Alice in Chains or any of these fucking bands. Yeah. Those records all have 1994 stamps all over them. Yeah. Okay? You know right away, oh, this takes me back. A day with the smithereens sounds like it could have been recorded tomorrow. Yeah. Sure does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it was, because they did not, they didn't give a good goddamn about following trends, about like, oh, maybe you should go with this producer. Oh, maybe you should try this or try that. Those guys stuck to their story. Yeah. And in the process of, of, of doing that, they made music that is timeless. You put yeah. on 11. 11 still sounds fresh. Yeah. I dare you to find me any other album from 1989 yeah. that, that doesn't sound like 1989. Agreed. Agreed. Green thoughts. Yeah. Oh, the first two were all of them, untouchable. All of them. Yeah. None, none of the none of their records sound like the year that they came out. Okay. Right. Like, look, I'm a big fan of pop music from the '80s, right? I was in the car the other yep. day. Invisible Touch came on from Genesis, nice. right? And I love that. I love that record. Yeah. Sure. Great. Me too. I love it. Right. Sure. But it just it just sounds like it's like picking up a newspaper from 1986. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, President Reagan today announced the blah 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 blah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Put on especially yeah. for you. It sounds like it was recorded today. Yeah, it sure does. Do you have a favorite you know? Smithereen song? Is it still Blood and Roses, or did you? Oh is there God. one that rises favorite above? Oh God. The like oh one. Let's see. Let's let's put myself. It's a hypothetical situation. Because we're going to bookend this conversation with playing your favorite song at the beginning of the conversation and my favorite song at the end. So what song do you want to kick off this episode of the Okay, podcast? good. Okay. So now you're giving me a reason to pick one that's, yeah. that's a favorite. Yeah. Uh, time and time again. Nice. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's an out-of-left-field pick. Good. Okay. I mean, I just, again, when you're a teenage boy... Rock and roll, yeah. Uh, you know, th- four chords and the truth. Yeah, you yeah, know, true. three yep. minutes, and that song for whatever reason closing out. I mean, it, you know, I, I love the rip off of Pretty Woman, uh-huh. lick, um, but like the, the ending, bad, bang, like what the fuck could possibly right. be cooler than that? Yeah. You know nice. what I'm saying? Good. Um, Good one. Okay. And the, and I've the, always the, the, been the, alone the at midnight. Before the, I mean, everything about it, you know. Yeah. I'm, you Great know. song. <laughs> Mine's always been alone at midnight, but I've played it many times and talked about it many times. So I think I'm going to go with Afternoon Tea, which is one of okay. my favorite kind of buried, you know, uh, album tracks. It's got a nice yes. groove. It's melancholy, like his best stuff, but yet beautiful. So I think I'm going to yes. close it out with Afternoon Tea. Okay. okay. I was also a big fan of Miles from Nowhere and yeah. Point of No Return and yeah. Long Way Back Again yeah. from Date With. Yeah. Um, what was the one from 11 that I listened to? 11? Oh, Ye- Yesterday Girl. I'm a sucker for Yesterday Girl. That's only that's one of the only um, ones that I've, I've never liked that song that much. 
I mean, I, I, it's oh, okay really? for them, but it's a little too simple for me. Just, you know, the chorus being okay. yesterday girl, yesterday girl over and over. That's fine. It's, um, All right. Well, but it's a great you know song. what else? Well, because the other thing you need to think about is live certain songs yes. would come to life. Like, sure. I never paid attention to Alone at Midnight until I heard the live version. One of yeah. my prized possessions is the live CD that came out. Uh, in, it's like after, especially for you, this came out called The Smithereens Live, and this oh. was a CD. This was a CD only release, and this was before every home had a CD player. Now I remember being like sad because we didn't have a CD player yet, <laughs> but I think I might have like I either got, it was either like one of the first it was one of the first CDs I ever got. I might have even got it like before we had a CD player, and I would just look at it. Because uh-huh. I heard some of it on the radio, and it's an EP. It's Blood and Roses, Behind the Wall of Sleep, Beauty and Sadness, Alone at Midnight, Strangers When We Meet, and The Seeker. Oh, wow. whoa. And it, was, okay. it was live, and it was live at the Ritz in, October, in New York, October 86, and the show was broadcast on MTV. And it's just, it's like raw and loud and just, you know. That's it, great. And it's killing um so the live version of alone at midnight on that disc kicks much ass really um okay yeah and there's also um what was this there was a song on blow up um indigo indigo blues is that what yes yeah indigo blues Uh Indigo Blues on blow up i remember hearing and thinking like it's just one chord over and over again okay Then they played Indigo Blues live. When I saw them at that show at the Orpheum in uh-huh. Boston, uh-huh. they played Indigo Blues live, and it and it slayed me. Good. So, like, certain songs would really sure. come to life on stage. Absolutely. In a way yeah. that the records didn't, didn't capture. Yeah, you, had, you had to see them live. And what, I, what I've been doing the last, you know, 24, 48 hours, going on YouTube and watching uh, clips of them on TV from, like, you know, from the 80s. I, I yeah. shared a clip of them doing A Girl Like You on The Tonight Show. Because, nice. um, like, when when Pat was still thin and, like, stomping yeah. around, like, yeah. he had his guitar slung really low and his stance was white. And, again, to, to see a fucking guinea fronting a band <laughs> was a big deal for me. Because sure. all, of yeah. the, all of the rock and roll front men... When I was a teenager, none of them looked like me. They were all blonde and, and skinny. Like, you know, like, I yeah. love Duran Duran as much as the next guy. But, like, I didn't feel like Simon LeBond could be me. Sure. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Here, yeah, and, I do. And now here's this guy with, like, the receding hairline and the goatee, the big Sicilian eyes. Yep. Olive complexion and rocking the hell out. And, and he made it. He made it. I'm getting really choked up. Like, he, yeah made me believe like i could i could do that yeah i could be up there fronting a band because he's he's a he's a fucking guinea from the east coast i'm yeah. a fucking guinea from the east coast he's socially <laughs> awkward i'm socially <laughs> awkward but he's got rock and roll going through yeah. his veins i got rock and roll going through my veins This is for 
my fun Crying inside for a life thrown away I'm losing my mind in a silent way Angry at God for what never should be Lovers and others together, not me Take me away when I'm done with my Done. 